welcome to The Edition, a podcast where we explore the latest trends and innovations in technology and the impact on society. Today, we're excited to have Tom Merritt, a well-known tech journalist, as our guest. He'll be joining host Charlotte Henry to discuss the rapidly evolving field of AI and its impact on the world of journalism. From automated news production to the ethics of using AI in reporting, we'll deep dive into the ways in which AI is shaping the future of how we consume and produce news. Sit back, relax, and join us as we explore the intersection of AI and journalism with Tom Merritt. Now, hello, it is me, Charlotte Henry. Obviously, that introduction was not written by me, not just because I'm tired, but because ChatGPT, the AI tool that's getting everyone very excited at the moment, wrote it for me. I told it Tom was a guest on my show. So hello, Tom. How are you doing? If if it is indeed me, hello. Hello, hopefully (laughs) real life Tom. Uh, that wasn't bad, yes. was it? Uh, there's that no was... way of proving that, <laughs> that I'm not a clever simulation. Yeah, no, no. All that I've was, got is that was screen. pretty good. It, your your int- the intro writing was a little bit BBC compared to how you normally talk. Yes. but but it was a competent. It was a competent intro. I was pretty impressed with it when I read it. I sort of had a chuckle to myself. But yeah, so literally all yeah, I yeah. put in just for context, I I got into Chat GPT. It crashed on me the first time because it was over capacity, but very quickly came back to me. And all I instructed to do was write an introduction for an episode of the edition podcast with Charlotte Henry, in which Tom Merritt will be the guest and they will be discussing the effect of AI on journalism. Now, clearly it knew who you are. It rightly pointed you out as a as a well-known tech journalist. I you know, it didn't give you quite the build-up I would have. I've obviously said superstar podcaster and journalist and so on. But you know, oh, stop. nothing. Nothing wrong yeah. with a bit of, you know, humility, is that, Tom? Um, anyway, this all leads me to the key question I have for you, Tom. Is AI going to take our jobs? Yes and no. Uh, I I try very hard not to make the same mistakes other people have made in the face of new technology uh, when looking at this, because there were worries that uh, steam engines would take people's jobs. There were worries that computers themselves, electronic computers, would take people's jobs. And generally what happens is technologies definitely disrupt things. So I also try not to downplay the disruption that happens. But we we don't have like a pot of jobs that there's only so many of. And if we give some to a machine, then then we run out of them. Uh, what we have is, is human motivation to do things. Mm-hmm. And when tools make it so that we don't have to do certain things, we find other things to do. So I don't think it's going to take our jobs in the sense of eliminating our ability to do things that we, other people find valuable. Uh, but it will take away jobs that we won't have to do anymore the same way that, you know, a steam engine uh, means that I I don't have to take the shovel and do the digging Uh, the same way that a computer means I don't have to sit there with pen and paper and compute all the numbers and technology generally does things faster. So your time that you would have spent writing that intro uh, was done by chat GPT. It was reduced to the amount of time you took to write the prompt for it, leaving you free to do other things. And I think that's where the failure of imagination comes in is sure. But what else are we going to do? Well, we don't know because we haven't had that freed up time. Uh, and the the classic example that I like to point out and usually other people 
people point out as well is when uh, when databases and, and spreadsheets came along, a lot of people thought, well, that's it for accountants. You won't need them anymore. And in fact, uh, we didn't get rid of accountants. Uh, we freed oh, up accountants no, we didn't. to <laughs> do a better job, well, quote unquote better, uh, to do it, to, to do different things that they wouldn't have been able yep. to do before. And the other thing that's, that's really interesting. If you look out there, automated teller machines, ATMs, yep. everybody thought, well, that's going to get rid of bank tellers. We actually have more bank tellers now than we did before the advent of ATMs. That's not quite the case. That's an interesting example. I mean, in the UK, there's a lot of issues about bank branches disappearing, but that's quite an, yeah. Um, but no, you are right that there's that there's always an element of kind of hyperbolic panic, isn't there, when these things come to? And also, I think in the case of things like ChatGPT and the kind of way we think AI will go into journalism, let's be honest, there's a bit of an element of hypocrisy as well, isn't there? Because we're very happy for you know for AI to do the kind of jobs we maybe don't want to do. But as soon as it's straying near our territory, uh, everyone gets panic. Uh, Brian Morrissey, who's been on my show yeah, a few yeah. times, has pointed this out that, you know, everyone's we're all happy with automation until the laptop class get affected by it and then we will have a panic. And there, there is some truth to that, <laughs> isn't there? Yeah, I, I think I think that's always true. Who, whoever is in in the face of the automation, whether it's robots in a warehouse, it's it's going to be the the people who work in the warehouse. If it's a Chat GPT writing intros to podcasts, it's the people who do the podcasts. Uh, and and that was the, so. I probably sounded overly optimistic just now. Uh, let me swing back around. The problem is we also don't know. Uh, what those new jobs are. Uh, and so there is a time when we won't be doing them. And usually what happens with technology in a negative way is you have a disruption where it gets rid of a bunch of jobs before we're ready to know what those people uh, could also be doing. Yeah. Uh, or especially when you get to be my age, uh, it gets rid of jobs for people who may not want to train for something different uh, and no longer have skills that are as valued. Uh, and so we, we have to prepare for that. We have to prepare to deal for, with that. Yeah, it's a complicated issue society-wide, and there are lots of places that cover that. But let's delve into this issue within journalism. Um, as ChatGPT told me, we should discuss the you know the in- impact of ethics and journalism, because you know whatever people think about media and journalism, there has always been, at least to a certain extent, a kind of there's a hierarchy. You know who writes the story most of the time. You know there's kind of set rules. And, you know, go editorial processes for these things. And whether we think it's strong enough or not, that's a whole different conversation. But there are, you know, there are routes to rectifying problems within journalism. If you, as a subject of a story, feel wronged, Um, there's a kind of through line, isn't there? And like there's sort of written and unwritten rules around these things. And a computer and an algorithm or multiple algorithms can't really navigate that, can it? You know, it can't go... Oh, well, I've written one story, but it's only single sourced. I should try and get another source. It, you know, it hasn't said, oh, I haven't got a response to this. I should try and get a response. Those kind of pretty basics of journalism. I think it could get there yet. It's definitely not there now. Uh, And I'm, I'm not making a prediction about when it will get there. Uh, But what I would say is that at least for the foreseeable future, uh, yeah, you need to have a human editor, just like you have a human editor right now with human writers. 
you need to have someone who reviews the copy. Uh, and your intro was pretty good. Uh, I bet if you pushed it a little farther to like write the actual story, you would have found things you needed to change, not just wanted to change, but also needed to change. Yeah. Uh, it's not good enough to just be unsupervised. And I, I think that's the thing we have to remember too, is because it can do some pretty good stuff. Re remember every piece of technology you've ever been excited about and how disappointed you were by something once you started using it and got over the honeymoon phase. That's, mm -hmm. that's true of chat GPT too. You're, we're going to find all these things that it's not good at. And those are the things that humans are going to still be needed for. And we should point out, this is in relative terms, very early in the process. Yeah, yeah. You know, the people behind chat GPT would be very keen to remind us of that. The, you know, the people at OpenAI. Um, let's also just uh, jump quickly to pictures and photography, another vital part of journalism and media production. I was on your show not so long ago and Sarah Lane, your co-host and colleague, decided what we needed was a AI-generated picture of a dinosaur I can't remember the other uh -huh. elements of the pictures she told. Uh, that was using a tool called Dali. And she got a pretty good picture back. How do we think that there's other ethical issues actually within journalism? Look, for this, because look, we've always had the ability to Photoshop and tweak images and so on. That's an ongoing kind of ethical issue. But this takes it to a whole other level. You know, it's all very well one thing, Sarah, coming up with a fun picture and it looked pretty cool. You know, if you're putting stuff on national media, there's a whole other set of considerations, aren't there, if you're doing AI-generated images? Yeah, the, the, the you know, the positive side of it is uh, I can spend less time uh, creating art or create art I wouldn't have been able to afford uh, for, you know, in our case, things like album art or illustrations. Uh, you can have fun pictures of dinosaurs riding bicycles or whatever it is that, that your imagination can do. But the downside is uh, you can also create uh, things that didn't happen. Uh, you can you can create photos that that look uh, you know, like something that, that would be controversial or, or proof. And, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, uh, we, we had fears that Photoshop would cause that problem. Uh, and there were, there are temporary flare ups with Photoshop's, uh, where, yeah. where people got excited because of, of something. And what usually happens is the, the human immune system of that's not real kicks in and a bunch of people say, no, that's Photoshopped. Sometimes they say it's Photoshopped when it's not Photoshopped. Yeah. Uh, but over time we've created a, a way to understand, oh yeah, something could be Photoshopped. So what other signals do I need to look for to know whether something is real or not? Uh, we're going to go through the same process here where there'll, yeah. there'll be a few things that'll flare up because people aren't used to the fact that, that there can be generative images that look really good. Also, these images are still early days too. If yep. you've looked at some of them, they're not as great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and look, we know key things like it, you know, this has been an issue in photo photography journalism for ages. You know, if you zoom in or cut and crop an image in a certain way, it can look very different to what the real scene was. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that's, I, of course, you know, plugging it into images into an AI algorithm is changing things, but I think it's typical of lots of these ways technology works. It's it's kind of just moving forward and exacerbating things we need to deal with already. 
Yeah, it, I, I I think it's another plank in the the in humanity's lessons in how to tell what's true, <laughs> uh, or, or not even just true, but what's useful. Right? We we've gone through a ten year uh, experiment, well, longer than that now, uh, of figuring out well if somebody writes something that isn't that doesn't mean it's real, uh, mm-hmm. and learning to deal with the fact that sometimes we want it to be real, and so we we get a little less critical when we want it to be real. Uh, and this is going to continue that and exacerbate that. Uh, but I, I think humanity has shown that, yeah, when when photographs first arrived, uh, it showed that we we could deal with what that brought us. Uh, when when you know touching up photographs arrived, we learned how to deal with that. When Photoshop arrived, we learned how to deal with that. Uh, I, I have no doubt we'll learn how to deal with this, but there'll be some some rough roads along the way. Yeah, and I think your point from earlier about we've got to also see these things as an opportunity is real. You know, my silly example of punching in a few words, you know, a short sentence to get it to write my podcast intro is one thing. And yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe actually it allowed me to, instead of the 10 minutes or so I'd have spent trying to write a good podcast intro, it actually allowed me to do something else, make a cup of tea. But, um, (sighs) Which and then no perked thing. you up, which made you a better person on the podcast because you had a cup of tea, right? Like exactly. The, those things exactly. snowball. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, <laughs> you know, there's merits to all these things. But equally, I think there's also a flip side of actually the more things that become digitized, computerized, run by an algorithm, the more we actually yearn for a bit of humanity. Now, this is slightly flip, you know, a bit of an extreme example, of course. But we saw people did in the pandemic enjoy zoom interviews and vid you know events and talking to their friends from the comfort of their own home and not having to get anywhere and not having to go to work events and so on but actually if you look at i mean you and i were discussing ces before and people were, were very quick to get back to las vegas with, for this year which was kind of the first proper year um we see smaller events where people are really just pleased to get back to people within their community, within their industry, uh, and deal with those people in person. There, there is an element that where people, humans need humanity, right? And I think that'll be true in media and journalism. You know, nothing can replace the photographs where the brilliantly talented photographer is in the right place at the right time. And, and nothing can replace yeah, I... the kind of investigative journalist who spends ages digging into the truth of something and can bring it and tell a story in a way that really resonates with other humans. I I always point out chairs. Uh, I'm, I've got to come up with another example, but I, <laughs> I point out chairs uh, as an example of something that we don't need a human to make a chair. Uh, making a chair is fully a fully automated situation. And yet we love finding handcrafted chairs. They, the, the chairs that are made by humans sell for much more than the extra cost of having a human make them instead of a factory uh, because we like that human touch that you're talking about. And I think the same will apply to these more ethereal things that you're talking about, like writing and art, where we will value that. And I bet, because we're really good as a species at pattern recognition, we'll be able to tell uh, the difference between human-made art and and machine-made art, uh, the way that 
you know, of the first color photograph, people thought, oh my gosh, it's like looking at reality. But really quickly, you you start to tell the difference between what's a photograph and what's reality. Same way the first time I saw HD, I thought, oh my gosh, it's like I'm looking through a window. And then over time, you're like, eh, I can tell it's an HD picture, not not actual reality. You you get good at that stuff. And I, I think we'll we'll develop that sense for for machine made art too. You don't think that the algor- these algorithms, something like, particularly for the written word, uh, can actually develop to such an extent we won't be able to tell? I'm I'm less sure of that. I think more mm. what I'm thinking about is the kind of stories it will be able to tell, not the way in which it can tell them. Yeah, so I I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, when you're talking about text, you know, will we be there? There's a certain voice that you people people already do this when there's like ghost writers uh and and they're like well wait a minute that that person never says that word that way uh why are they doing this is a whole uh, controversy over whether the clintons have actually written their own fiction uh or not mm-hmm. right now and and people are pointing out those sort of things we'll probably be able to do that with machine made stuff if it's trying to pretend to be a person but your point is really good which is that doesn't mean the machine made stuff won't be really good and and serve especially with like commodity stories you know that are every day where the machine the machine could even go get a second and third source right they they can could handle email theoretically and and be able to to input comments and stuff for very mechanical stories like you know your local city council or 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 those sorts of things yeah that that stuff could could probably be auto generated and it won't matter whether it sounds like anybody else you as long as it imparts the information in a readable and understandable way which i think it will be able to do and I think that's the bit that in some ways gives me comfort. And your example of a kind of local political story is a really good one. Because an AI algorithm, something like ChatGPT or whatever comes next, because we know there's other projects ongoing, isn't there? Um, will clearly be able to turn a press release and maybe even a press release responding to that press release into a story that's readable to a normal consumer. What it won't be able to do is ask the follow-up questions, I don't think. It won't be able to delve into... It won't have the insight, perhaps, to delve into years of records that a journalist who's been on that beat a long time can. By the way, this is all just trying to make myself feel better. Just so you know, this is like... We're just recording (laughs) a therapy session between us. Yeah. (laughs) I I think you're onto something because... uh, a lot a lot of stories uh political sports yep. there's the story of what happened and the story that gives you the context and interpretation you know like 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 take a football match there's there's usually at least two stories around a football match one is uh this these were the the shots these were the goals this is what happened and then there's the you know before the game so and so's mother stopped by the stadium and you get that that sort of like uh, here was the environment in which this game took place uh you need humans still for that second one and i think we'll always want humans for that second one even if machines get pretty good at that because we want that human observation we want those things that that humans see that only humans see because it's a human interaction interacting with another human yeah uh, you know uh, an, an algorithm can write up the box score it might not be able to articulate the the emotion as aaron judge hits that yeah, yeah. record-breaking home run um, right, but, right. 
and, and I guess the same, I use the example with photography as well, that actually, you know, beautifully trained photographers have this very human instinct of knowing where to look and when to click at the right moment. And I'm not sure, even as something like Dali gets better, that can be that instinct can be replaced. The issue, of course, will be is if people stop thinking we need people doing those jobs because it can very simply be replicated for cheaper. And as we know, in journalism, cheaper tends to be better for media company owners. Yeah, that's where the disruption comes in, right? Uh, right now, we need uh, photographers to photograph anything. Uh, we need writers to do those mechanical stories, although Bloomberg and CNET and others have been using some machine-generated copy for things like earnings reports and yeah. AP does it for sports scores and stuff. But uh, we, we, by and large, need humans to do that. We won't need humans to do those kinds of stories. And then the question, then then the rubber meets the road of like, okay, how much do we value the the really good looking photograph how much do we value that that emotional storytelling uh that gives you the sense of the game uh and and it's quite possible and i think even likely that not that no one will will value the the good photograph or the emotional story but those jobs won't exist in as great a number uh, as those mechanical jobs do, uh, and journalism is already having a, a problem figuring out how to how to pay for the the people it does have. So on the one hand, you you will be able to take a really good writer and say you don't have to grind out those crazy stories. Spend more time on the emotional stories, and they'll get better. On the other hand, you'll need fewer of those people. Uh, and and so where the hope comes from is like, OK, but those people may be able to go do things that they never would have been able to do before because they also have these tools and using the tools is a skill, too. Yeah. Uh, you could probably fine tune the prompt you gave chat GPT to make it sound more like you. And I think that is going to be a skill as well, which is like being able to prompt these machine generators into making the best kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's one thing to be able to tell it to do something and get a response. It's another thing to get exactly what you want out of it. And as we get more used to doing this, our instinct for that and our talent for that will become more fine tuned. I think your point about what, what these things may free up at least the very best journalists to do, I think is very well made as, as we were sort of talking it through, I was thinking, Oh, actually, instead of just churning out rewriting a press release or something which every journalist yeah. has to do as they come through or you know the sports reporter having to write just write out a quick match report and just saying the scores they can go and do some deep dive more investigative stuff and so on and that is an advantage the other thing i was thinking of though is is all very well you and i saying this uh as people who have consumed a lot of media have made a lot of media are kind of used to and actually, just to be honest, more, for want of a better phrase, ordinary human beings who pick up a newspaper or turn on the news or whatever are used to what human news is like. In a couple of generation times, as this thing takes over, as these things will inevitably develop, I wonder if the type of things you and I assume will be valued, the human elements, the emotion, the instinct of a photographer to be in the right place, all those things, if people don't grow up with that, it's harder to value it. 
Yeah, and 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 there's 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 buggy whips and there's paintings. Uh, would 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 be my my examples. Uh, we don't need buggy whips anymore. They were they were lovely handcrafted items, but you just don't need one on your car. And there 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 may be a couple buggy whip makers out there still, <laughs> but they they're few and far between. And and most people in their life aren't going to buy a buggy whip. But art, on the other hand, is still greatly appreciated, uh, even though we can mass produce prints people still pay to go to a museum and see the original and people pay millions of dollars to get the actual piece of art with its brush strokes and all of that. So it's hard to tell in advance which of the things that machining generation is going to affect our art and which are buggy whips. Yeah, exactly. And I, it just worries me. We become accustomed to what we are accustomed to. Right. And you know, yeah. we're used to the kind of the standard inverse pyramid news story where used to in weather seeing bad weather seeing the wind swept reporter stuck outside a building poor thing you know right if people become less and less accustomed to what we consider news and media like when those things are gone they're kind of hard to bring back well i guess that's what i'm saying is it, art also could have suffered that fate uh and and paintings particular and it hasn't uh and so s- some of those may may also be like you know what i know we could get a machine to do this but everybody loves the windswept reporter so we're just going to keep doing it and i can already imagine the future think pieces written by the human uh reporter on the staff about why is it that we say you know risk people's lives sending them out in the hurricane for our entertainment you know i, mm-hmm. I that might not be the way it happens but i could imagine a scenario where that happens yeah and sports commentary we can yeah. all think of iconic moments of sports commentary where you know a computer just saying this person passed to this person and then they scored yeah would just never do the job unless you've grown up watching sport and that thing has never been there that's what i think that's what my point is sure, if in sure. two three yeah, generations it- time people have not grown up with humans doing those things they won't miss humans doing those things it's hard to tell which things we would eliminate uh and and which things that that we wouldn't uh and and so it's kind of a chicken and egg situation right like uh if you never eliminate the former athlete commentator uh in in the booth uh, you can say tony romo it's okay you can say tony romo it's okay it's okay or or any of them right like I, I, I take that as an example of, of of us saying, you know what, the best color commentator may not be a former athlete, but people love the idea of a former athlete being up there sometimes because of people like Tony Romo. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah I was actually thinking of the very famous uh, Manchester City Aguero moment when they first won the league and nothing like no computer could generate could replicate a frazzled commentator just screaming Aguero very loudly. I won't do it because I'll burst people's right. ears. But yeah, yeah, yeah. These are iconic moments. I just, my fear with all these things with you know news with sports coverage. I mean, we haven't even touched on what the implications could be for pure fiction writing and novels. My guess is that is the thing that would last the longest because a computer genuinely can't replicate the human imagination. I, I, yeah, I, I look at, at fiction writing and I'm like, there is some mechanical fiction writing, uh, certain certain brands of romance novels, uh, yep. certain brands of kids detective novels uh, that are cranked out. And those those you might be able to replace those. Uh, but 
but authors that we we love and more and more in the world of social media get to know uh, authors are rarely, uh, you know, J.D. Salinger. They they are more often on social media. You you get a relationship with them. That that is harder to replicate. You you can do some avatar stuff, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see some virtual celebrities and maybe <laughs> yeah. even some virtual celebrity authors. But uh, that's going to be the the exception, not the rule. I think. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely, uh, yeah, you could definitely have had uh, algorithm to write goosebumps books couldn't you back in the day and those kind of things oh uh, yeah yeah i don't know rl stein has got a voice though i think yeah, he's true. harder Maybe I'm being to mean. do than i i well no i i know where you're going uh i was thinking more like hardy boys <laughs> where <laughs> there is no franklin w dixon there's just a staff of writers that have outlines that they they just sure. crank out the the plots from um so i guess we have to end We've sort of touched on different examples and my neurotic fears and worries about the future of my industry because we definitely, media definitely needed other things to worry about as well in the face of layoffs and reorganizations and all sorts of other things. But, you know, media is always like that. Uh, you know, the other example we had to get a chance to touch on is kind of advertising copy, which is really an mm. example. Adverts, you can really see actually some pretty useful uh, case cases for uh ai putting together ads yes humans would have to tweak them and make sure they're appropriate and resonant but you know there's lots of products where people don't need to sit around a table and a whiteboard and you could see ai doing a good job for those products but where yeah, given the concerns around the copy it's going to be a long time before you can have machine generated copy that doesn't require human sign off yeah, of any kind for sure. at the end for sure for sure but where where do you see that? I always end with this question. Actually, I've realised this, but I think it's an important one from lots of topics. Where, where do you see this going next? I I normally ask about if you're sitting here having this conversation with me in the next twelve months, and I don't think that's appropriate for this because while technology does move fast, these type of thing we've seen how long just to get to this point it has taken. Um, but where what is the general? Uh, direction of travel do you think what kind of tools do you think we'll see next we're going to see more perhaps in the video space we're obviously going to see fine-tuning mm. of text-based ai generation where, where do you really think this is going to go i think it's accelerating i think even yeah. in the next 12 months you're going to see some new versions of these same tools that put the existing ones to shame uh that get rid of some of this the problem of like well it was pretty good copy uh and and really give you excellent copy be a little more accurate than chat gpt uh can be so i i think at 12 months we'll be talking about how how good these tools have gotten in just a year. I'm not sure if in a year we'll get the excessive video related uh, components of this, but but I have seen some people playing around with, well, if uh, Dolly can, can do still frames, what if I tell Dolly to make a bunch of still frames, each one progressing from the other, and then it becomes a video. And yeah, I think it's kind I of think stop it like motion animation. absolutely true. Yeah, right. I mean, you could do that right now. Uh, it, it it takes a little longer and it's a, a little bit of a hack, but it won't be long before that can just be internalized. Uh, and I would say at least in a couple of years uh, that, that you'll see 
good machine generated video uh, capable as well. And and I think the earliest use, as you can kind of tell from the from the still images as well, will be animation, will be cartoon stuff that will be amazingly good. Uh, and that that will be a place that will be disrupted early is those artists that do the tweening that do the hand drawing between frames and all that. A lot of that's already been automated by the existing tools. I think, I think you're going to see animation uh, get disrupted first. It would be my guess. Yeah. And I suppose we, again, we've, we've seen that with kind of a lot of movies now where, you know, there's even examples of movies, aren't there, where we're told that the star, there is a star actor in it, but actually you never see that person's face and it's all a computer generated. And we're like, well, I don't, you know, and I remember I mean, Avatar is the topical one for the moment, but there was lots of movies where like, I don't want to watch a computer generated movie. And then actually they're huge hits and, you know, those things do last. It's yeah. it's really going to be fascinating, if not a little bit terrifying to watch. Tom, you've made me feel a little bit better about it all. Um, oh, I, I think we probably, at least for the moment, have to approach these things as a sort of, interesting technological advance and hope that the tools complement not replace the ability of humans which is really what technology for so many things has done over the years um now you're a very human podcaster um where can people catch up with your work as far as i to be honest you and i have never met in like real life so we've spoken many many times over the years but we've never actually been in the same place at the same time so you know you could be ai generated whether I'm human or not, uh, you can find me at dailytechnewsshow.com. Uh, I, Sarah Lane and I uh, host a, a weekday podcast uh, breaking down the tech news of the day in a half hour uh, so that you don't have to. So you don't have to spend all that time. We're your algorithm. Uh, we, we, we condense everything and help you understand technology at dailytechnewsshow.com. Yeah, and you've also had a wonderful show having picking a word and having in-depth conversations with friends and colleagues, which I also really enjoyed. I guess all that's at tommerritt.com, isn't it? People can find you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all my other shows, like Know a Little More, which is about individual topics, the a word with Tom Merritt that you just mentioned, uh, that's all at tommerritt.com. Very good. And he's and I'll link to your Twitter as well. Um, I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. As I would say, if you are listening to this in Substack, well, you know where the newsletter is. If you don't have the subscription to the newsletter already, that's at the edition, com. You can, of course, listen to this podcast wherever you normally get your podcast show. So subscribe, share, tell people what a lovely time we have here. It'd be great to have others on board. Um, thank you once again, Tom, and I'll see you all next week.